Good morning once again, and thank you so much for being with us again. My name is Craig, and I'm the senior pastor here. So we are thankful to have you with us. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open them. We're going to be in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 21. 1 Chronicles, chapter 21. While you're turning there, let me just give you a couple of announcements. I don't know for sure what was mentioned since I was out of the sanctuary, but I do want to remind everyone, there is a Vacation Bible School interest meeting right after service this morning. So um, they'll probably sit right over in this general area. Uh, if you have a desire, an interest to help out in Vacation Bible School, we really need you. So if you think you might be interested in helping the VBS, if you would kind of gather in this, this little area, and April and Rhonda uh, just really want to gauge interest, see where we are, we've got to start recruiting leaders. This will be a short meeting and get us ready for a, a, a much larger and more involved meeting that will come up in a few weeks. So please... Uh, plan to participate in that. Also, if you're a guest with us this morning, again, we just are so glad you're here and welcome you. I'd ask you, if you would, to look inside of your worship folder. There is a little tear-off that you can use to fill out and let us know you were here. You can also fill that out online if you feel more comfortable. If you're watching online and you just want to do that, if you're, if you're more technological than I am and you want to fill it out on your phone, you pull your phone out and you do that real quick. But if you would just fill that out for us and let us know, I'd appreciate it. Lastly, inside of your worship folder is a big blue piece of paper. Uh, it should look exactly the same as an email that uh, you got a while back. We sent this out in an email form. Um, our, our, our budget and finance committee wanted to put this in a paper form as well. So it's just a survey. Our budget and finance committee would like to offer some, some different kinds of ministries. So this is not because we're in financial trouble. Somebody asked me, no, we, by God's good grace, our, our finances are good and healthy, and we're thankful for that. This really has more to do with uh, the desire of our Budget and Finance Committee to do more than just count pennies and, uh, and dimes, but to actually be intentional about how it is that we might be able to minister to, excuse me, uh, to the rest of our church body and, and things related to finance. So uh, if you filled it out online, don't worry about it, but if you didn't, we would really love to hear from you as so we can figure out how to best uh, care for you. So that's the purpose of that. What you can do is just fill that out. On your way out, you can drop it in one of those big orange buckets. And uh, we can use those to collect that as well as your offering and everything else on the way out the door. Okay? Having said all of that, we are so thankful that you're here with us this morning. And we're going to begin the preaching this morning with the reading of God's Word. First Chronicles chapter 21, beginning in verse 18. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please stand with me in honor of God's Word. Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. He turned and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. As David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornan, Give me the site of the threshing floor that I may build on it an altar to the Lord. Give it to me at its full price that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Ornan said to David, Take it and let my Lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I give the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for a grain offering. I give it all. But King David said to Ornan, No, but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. 
So David paid Ornan 600 shekels of gold by the weight for the site. And David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. Then the Lord commanded the angel and he put his sword back into his sheath. At that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him at the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord which Moses had made in the wilderness and the altar of burnt offering were at that time in the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God for he was afraid of the sword of the Lord. Then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that as we consider this passage from 1 Chronicles, this story in the life of King David, a picture, Lord God, of of your accepting of worship. God, I pray that we would consider our own worship and what it would be like, Lord God, what might need to change in our own lives for us to offer biblical worship. To the Holy God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. What is worship that honors the Lord? Next week is Mother's Day. Men, have you ever bought your wife a bad gift? Some of you just went, oh, it's Mother's Day? Yeah, next week. So I'm giving you advance warning. But have you ever bought your wife a bad gift? I like the, la- the laughs. Maybe a microwave? A gym membership? You ever buy your wife a new gun because you just knew she needed it? I know a guy that bought his wife a truck one time. He just knew she was going to love it. True story, by the way. (laughs) He loved it. The goal in gift buying, though, is, is not to buy what you like, but to buy what the person to whom you are giving the gift will like. Men, this is where we mess up, or you mess up. I don't, and I'm going to explain to you how I fix this, okay? I'm going to make this easier for you. This is where we tend to mess up. We mess up because we buy our wives what we want. This is where men can mess up buying clothes for your wives. It doesn't have to be a minefield. But what you've got to do is take the time to really know what she likes or what size she wears. Instead, you go to the store and you buy what you like or what you think she should like. And then you come home and then you realize that you are in a mess. How can you become a great gift giver for your wives? Listen to me, guys. Pay attention. And by that, I don't mean to me. I mean, just pay attention generally. Do you, do you really have a desire to become that kind of guy that could buy your wife clothes? The first thing you're going to do is you're going to walk in her closet and you're going to look at all the sizes in there. And you're going to pray they're all the same. Right? Because you can mess up when you buy one too small because you say, well, what is this supposed to mean? Or if you buy one too big and you say, what is this supposed to mean? But look, when you walk in and you say, everything on the rack in your closet says size 8, and you walk in with a size 8, it's not your fault, you understand? So that's the first step. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to what does she like, all right? You should know your wife well enough, guys. I'll be honest with you. You should know your wife, men or ladies, the same goes for you. You should know your your spouse well enough to be able to have some general idea of what they would like. But that's not the last thing. Then you need to find an, an, an ally, right? You need to find a friend, a sister. A sister-in-law, which is my go-to, that has a similar style to your wife. If you raise your children right, they will know what your wife, your spouse likes. 
And you go to them, and they become your guidance. Let me tell you how good I've gotten at this. I have a sister-in-law that will text me out of the blue and say, here's a good option if you're looking for something. You know what I do? I just click buy, and it shows up at my house, and boom, I hit a home run. You want to know why? Because I didn't think about what I wanted. I found somebody who knows what she wants, and I just listen. It works. Guys, find that person that you can lean on. But, but, but that's the goal, right? We, we, we become a good gift buyer when we think about what the person that we're buying the gift for would like. When we begin to think about worship, we need to be thinking in a similar frame of mind. See, the goal of worship is not ultimately to get what I want. The goal of worship is not ultimately to make me happy or comfortable. The goal of worship is to give God what He wants and what He deserves. And so when we approach this passage of Scripture in 1 Chronicles, we have David offering a sacrifice, an act of worship to the Lord. Because it's what the Lord commanded. It's what God wanted. Well, folks, I want you to to just keep in mind that this is probably not what David wanted to do. Now, we need a little bit of story, a little bit of background. For those of you that have been with us, you know this. If you're you're new here, you don't know. We've been preaching through the Bible from Genesis up to this point, and we'll continue on next Sunday. So we're we're sort of viewing the Scripture, the Bible, at at, at 30,000 feet and trying to pick up a lot of things along the way. It's It's been a sprint, hasn't it? Some of you got your tongues hanging out as you've been trying to keep up with the Bible reading and all those other things. It's been a challenge for us in our own home to try to keep up with all all the reading. But in in the passage immediately preceding this, we get to the end of 1 Chronicles. David is approaching the end of, of his reign as king over Israel, okay? And here towards the end, what we learn is that David begins to grow a little bit prideful. David begins to have a desire to expand. And so David commands that there be a census. Now, what, what we find is that in one place that... Um, what, well, let's just not go there. What, what we know from this is that the Lord has a purpose in all this. We're going to see that in just a minute. But David commands a census. And it, the Bible doesn't explicitly explain to us why this was sinful. But it appears that it was sinful because David was counting... The men who could pick up a sword. The men who could go to battle. And so rather than being grateful and thankful for the place where the Lord had put him, it appears as though David is numbering the people so that he can consider waging a military campaign. David needs to expand his reach. This man who has been after God's own heart, this man who is finally reigning over a kingdom at peace, looks around and says... Can we do a little bit more before I leave this place? Well, the Bible says that as a result of David's decisions that the entire nation came under God's judgment. And if you go back and you read um, the passage immediately preceding this, basically the prophet goes to David and says, David, you've got three choices about how it is that uh, the hand of the Lord will come. You can, you can receive God's judgment from those who would invade. You can receive God's judgment spread out for a period of time. Or you can just get it all at once. And David says, don't let me fall to the hands of my enemies. Let, me, let, let us just face the Lord's wrath today. He says, he says, this beautiful passage, let me fall into God's hands rather than the hands of my enemies. Well, so it's, it's in the midst of this judgment 
It's in the midst of this judgment, in the midst of this plague of death, that David receives a word from the prophet Gad. And that's where we picked up this morning. And the prophet says to David, Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David, And David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Orn and the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word. The angel of the Lord came to Gad the prophet, and he spoke in Gad's ear, and Gad the prophet went to, to David. And he said, David, it's time for you to go worship the Lord. Folks, when we begin to think about what worship is that honors the Lord, the first thing I want us to pay attention to is that we've got to focus on the God of our circumstances. The God of our circumstances. David was not in a good place right now. Israel was not in a good place right now. Folks, we, we are currently seeing the images that are coming out of India. And we're seeing how COVID-19 is ravaging this country that doesn't have access to the healthcare systems that we have and doesn't have all these things. And as a result, we, we, we know something about what it looks like for these cultures. We've even seen this in our own country as, as it has affected and impacted us. But here we've got something that's even more, more radical, even more rapid. The Bible says the Lord moved quickly and people are just falling over left and right. And it's in the midst of this as David is certainly wallowing in a bit of self-pity because he recognizes that he has led the people into this. And it's in this place that David hears a command from Gad the prophet from the Lord that says, Go and sacrifice. Have you ever been in a place where you thought, The last thing I want to do is go to the Lord? You ever had that Lieutenant Dan moment there in Forrest Gump where you just wanted to climb the mast on the ship and scream obscenities at the Lord and shake your fist at Him? You ever had that moment? Maybe you've not been quite that far in your life, but I'm going to tell you something. Don't start judging because there's a lot of people in this sanctuary that have been in that place. A lot of you have been in that place. Even if you've not been quite that far, we've all certainly been in a place in our lives where the opportunity for worship arrived and the last thing we wanted to do was to go before the Lord and to worship Him because my circumstances were bad. Now, sometimes we were angry with the Lord. You ever been there? You have. Sometimes it wasn't that. Sometimes it was just inconvenient to be before the Lord. COVID has created a situation where a lot, a lot of folks were watching at home. And I, I, I shared this with you guys some months back. I had a guy that just told me, he said, I don't have a good excuse. I just got comfortable staying at home. He said, Craig, I want to acknowledge. He wasn't a member of our church. I'm not talking about any of y'all. He said, I, I, I want to be honest with you. He said, I've, I've become a hypocrite. He said, because I watch church in my pajamas, and then I get dressed and go out to lunch. Some of you just went, Ugh. So, all right, if you're at home and that's you, we won't say anything, just come next Sunday. <laughs> but but we, we've been there where sometimes the circumstance, it's beautiful outside, I just don't feel like showing up. But a lot of times it's worse than just a, a circumstantial thing. Sometimes life gets really hard, doesn't it? And I'm going to tell you what, it's in the hard places of life that we are so tempted to run from the Lord. And, and keep in mind, sometimes we don't run far away. We just avoid God's people because worship is just not enjoyable when life is very, very hard. David was in that place. His life was very, very bad. And yet in that place, the Bible says that David went 
to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. We need to focus on the God of our circumstances. I often say that in worship we should fake it until we make it. Some people think that's sort of um, hypocritical or bad, but here's what I mean by that. Even when I don't feel like being in worship, God deserves my worship. You understand? I don't want you to lie to people. I don't want you to show up on Sunday morning put that fake smile on and go, yes, I'm so happy to be here. How many of you have ever limped into service on Sunday morning and somebody says, how are you? And you just lied to them and said, we're just great. When you should have just been honest with them and said, it's a miracle of God's grace that we're even here this morning. You know? Like, I thought my kids were going to burn the house down before we got out of there, and I thought my wife was going to burn my kids down before she got done with them, and I wasn't sure she wasn't going to turn on me, and I lost it with her, and everything's been bad, and I kicked the dog, and I threw the cat, and the only reason we're here is because i got to keep nursery this morning. <laughs> you ever been there? Well, I'm going to tell you, sometimes we just need to fake it till we make it. Sometimes we just show up. How many of you, if, if I gave you a chance to step up here to this microphone, could walk up and say, you know what, I can remember the time when the last place I wanted to be was in the presence of the Lord, but the best place I needed to be was in the presence of the Lord. And when I showed up and I just faked it till I got in the door, the Lord grabbed my heart and did something. We've got stories like that as a family. You know, you got to be there because you're the pastor. You don't have any choice, so you show up. But well, the Lord has this way of, of bending and molding us to, to His will. When I say fake it till you make it, I don't mean come in and lie. We need to be the kind of church where somebody walks in the door and they say, How are you doing? And you say, I don't really want to talk about it today. I just need to get my coffee. I need to get to life cream. I'm going to get to worship. Just don't talk to me. If y'all pray for me, that's all I need. Folks, when those, folk, when those people walk in the door, do you know what our response should be? I'm glad you're here arm around the shoulder. Come on, let's go. I'll walk with you. Do you need to talk about it? Let's go have a seat. Let's go grab a cup of coffee. I I'll listen to you. Can I pray for you? Sometimes people got these heavy burdens and they just need to put them all out. But sometimes it's not all that heavy. We don't always have to be crazy about it. Sometimes it's just a bad day. And in the midst of those bad days, we just show up, even though we don't want to be there because we trust that God is worthy and it's our responsibility. And folks, we also know that if we show up, something good will happen. As you all may know, David was commanded to burn an offering to the Lord. A sacrifice was given as an atonement to atone for sin. David said, God, I've done wrong. I offer you this, and I pray that you will take this as a sacrifice for my sins. But that sacrifice is also worship. And so when you don't feel like coming to worship, can I suggest that sometimes showing up is the sacrifice that you need to make? I'm going to sacrifice the comfort of my couch... In my pajamas, to show up at worship because God is worthy. David was in the midst of a terrible plague. He didn't want to stand before the Lord, but God said, offer a sacrifice. So what? David obeyed. It wasn't about David's comfort or David's desires. It was about the Lord. One of the ways that we speak to our children is that they are to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. That's our goal. Okay? But let me tell you something. If I can't get the happy heart... I'll take all the way and right away. You, you with me? And if I can't get it right away, I'll take all the way until we can work out. Sometimes we've got to have goals. We're going to work up to the happy heart part. Sometimes we're going to obey the Lord and trust the happy heart to catch up. Trust it to get there. But obedience comes first. And the Lord has commanded that we should worship. Right? David was commanded to worship and so David obeyed. 
We don't hear David going, well, let me think about it. David obeyed, period. The Bible doesn't tell us how joyous he was when he walked. This doesn't look like David worshiping before the Ark of the Covenant, does it? We're going to talk about that in a minute. This probably looks like David like this. I I need to buy your threshing floor. I'll just give it to you. David says, I didn't ask you to give me anything, buddy. I need to write you a check. I need to buy this. I need to offer a sacrifice. And I need you to leave me alone. Sometimes you're going to walk into worship that way. and I want to give you permission here. I want you to hear me say this. We don't want you that way every Sunday, okay? But if that needs to happen every once in a while, come on. little side note, parents, send your 13-year-old with that attitude too. I did student ministry for a long time, and I used to tell parents, you get them here, I'll deal with them once you get them here. Well, they don't want to be here. I don't care. They live under your roof for free, okay? Grab them under the arm, carry them to the car, bring them here. You know what happens? They get here, and they they find a way to to, to be happy. How many of you have ever taken your kids somewhere? I don't want to go. 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 It's not always church. I don't want to go to my grandma's. I don't want to go to that party. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. And then you go to pick them up, and they won't even come to the car. My favorite, I love this, y'all. I ain't going to lie. I love this. When I get them in the car, and I go, oh, I didn't think you wanted to come. Oh, hush, Daddy. Oh, I, oh no, we had to fight to get you here, and now you're just thrilled, slammed to death. Can you please remember this the next time that your mother and I say this is a thing you should do? Parents, bring them, all right? Bring them, because why? Because what they're going to be exposed to, what they're going to get here is of utmost importance. All right. Focus on the God of your circumstances, not the circumstances around you. Focus on the God who's over those things, number one. Number two, expect worship to cost you something. Expect it to cost you time, money. It it may cost you your reputation. The word translated worship in the Old and the New Testaments carries with it the idea of prostrating oneself before the Lord. What does that word mean? Watch, it means this. This is what worship literally means, that I'm down, not on my knees to prostrate, is to come all the way out. Okay? So worshiping the Lord carries with the idea that I am humbling myself before one greater than me. That picture, that picture is... 100% humility. That picture costs you something. And you know what? The more powerful or prestigious you are in life, the more that costs you. Jesus said it's easier for what? For a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the bigger we are, the more powerful we are, the, the more self-sufficient we are, the harder it is for us to find ourselves face down before the Lord and say, God, here I am, an unworthy sinner in need. And yet that's the expectation. Expect worship to cost you something. Worship costs you pride, prestige, strength, power. I mentioned just a moment ago when David worshipped the Lord before the Ark of the Covenant, his wife, Michael, ridiculed him. Do you remember this? The Ark is coming back into Jerusalem. David has stripped himself of everything except a linen ephod, which is a really nice Bible word for saying his underwear. Okay? He's basically wearing a linen slip, if ladies, you want to think that way. He's got on a sundress, and he's the king. And there he goes, dancing and singing and shouting before the ark of the Lord. 
And his wife looks out the window and says, well, hasn't the king just made something of himself today? Who was Michael? It's important to remember that. Michael was the daughter of Saul. Michael was reared in royalty. Michael had an idea of what it meant for David to be regal. And when David went before the Lord in worship, Michael said, you have embarrassed us all. What was David's response? I will become yet more undignified than this to worship my Lord. Folks, what are you willing to give up to be known as a worshiper of Jesus? What are you willing for it to cost you? Are you willing to give up time? I mean, I'll be honest with you. In, 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 in our current age right now, time, I, there's, a, there's some of you in this church that would be a lot happier to write a check out of your checkbook than a check out of your time. Are you willing to give your time to worship and serve the Lord? Are you willing to give your finances to worship and serve the Lord? Are you willing to give your reputation? You say, how could it possibly cost us a reputation? Folks, the day and age is coming and, and has come upon us in many corners of the world and in many corners of our country. We're being an active part of a, of a Bible-believing, conservative church is not viewed as something to be celebrated, but as something to be looked down upon. Are, are you willing to cost yourself reputation to, to honor Christ? When the Bible says when David showed up to purchase this, Ornan said, just take it. I don't need anything from it. Now keep in mind, he might not have meant that in his heart. This is what you're supposed to say to the king. The king shows up and says, I want your stuff. This could have been Ornan goes, well, I don't want to die. So if you want it, you, you, you take it. You know, you do whatever you want. But the Bible shows David to be a man here who is, is interested in, in honoring the Lord and in honoring Ornan. And so David said, no, 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 I'm not going to offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. You tell me what the price is. I will pay you in full for all of it. Do you want to be a part of biblical worship? Do you want to have a life that, that worships the Lord and honors Him? Expect worship to cost you something. And I'm going to go so far as to say the more that you're willing to give, the more you should anticipate receiving in return from the Lord. Now, I don't suggest that you're purchasing God's favor or love. I just want you to understand that when we sacrifice to the Lord, there is often just a reciprocation. Because when I'm giving up, I begin to, to give. When I give of myself, then there's more room for the Lord to take over and take control of my life. There's also just the fact of this, that what? Our checkbook really represents the, 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 the status of our heart. I, I know a lot more about your commitment to Jesus if you let me look at your checkbook than I do with what comes out of your mouth most of the time. I have no idea what anybody ties to our church. But I have seen people leave our church loudly. Right? And I've seen it never affect the bottom line. I've seen that. I've seen people leave with anger and, and you're going to miss me when I'm gone and the only thing I see is the same thing y'all see on, on, on a weekly basis. I see the budget numbers as they come out, and, and the year passes, and you go, man, I was terrified when that person left because I, I, I don't know what they give, but I, I know that they, they make a lot of money, and, and when they leave the church, and we've got to figure out some way to make up for it, and then I was surprised to discover that when they left, we didn't make up for anything. Well, so what, what, did, what are you willing to allow 
God to have in your life? Your time? Your talents? Your treasures? Your reputation? Are you willing to be known as a person who gives, gives it all to the Lord? Are you willing to be that person who would, who would embarrass yourself before the Lord? Ornan said, I want to give it to you. David said, no, 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 you don't give it to me. That which I offer to the Lord will cost me something. Expect worship to cost you something. Expect it to cost you something. Do you know it cost David a lot of pride in this particular place? David's sitting pretty. He's on the throne. He's called for this census. He's considering that maybe things are going so well. I'm a warrior king after all. I'm going to see if we can't get just a little bit more. And instead of getting just a little bit more, David finds himself face to face with one of his servants. I need this from you. What are you willing to give? Expect worship to cost you something. And finally this morning, anticipate God's work. I don't want you to get too excited. We're going to live here for a minute. Anticipate God's work. What did you expect God to do when you showed up here this morning? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But I am curious, how many of you prayed this morning for the Lord to work in this service? How many of you expected there to be guests when you walked into service? How many of you expected... That the Lord would work through the preaching of the word or through the singing of songs. How many of you expected that? How many of you have prayed today that God might save somebody through this sermon, through this message, through this service? I'm afraid that sometimes we don't get much out of worship because we don't expect much out of worship. I roll over on Sunday morning. I go, well, I get my church shoes. I'm going to drink my coffee on the way in and I'll see my friends, you know, maybe Craig will be short enough that I can beat the Methodists to the restaurant after church. What did you expect to happen? You know, I, I doubt that David knew what was going to happen as a result of his worship, but I want you to turn and pay attention with me to verse 30 and then 22 verse 1. The Bible says, but David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he's afraid of the sword of the Lord, the sword of the angel of the Lord. So that was, he didn't want to go to the place at Gibeon where the tabernacle of the Lord was. So in other words, David didn't want to get too close to the Lord right now. You, you with me? The tabernacle is the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. This same David who had gone before the Lord and praised and danced, he didn't want to get too close because David knows that the Lord is holy. David has seen what this holy God demands. So David doesn't want to get too close. David's scared. He's afraid. So he builds an altar here. And then in verse 22, verse 1, he says, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. Now, chapter 22, verse 2, David begins to prepare for the temple building. And through this last quarter of his life, or this, when I say the last quarter, not, not literally quarter, but there in the fourth quarter, the very end of his life, David has had his, his hand slapped. He's been reprimanded. You're not going to expand anything, David. This is my kingdom, not yours. 
You're not allowed to build me a house. So David says, I'm going to prepare the way for the house of the Lord to be built. But chapter 22, verse 1, for our purposes this morning, is the most important verse in all of this passage. Because in chapter 22, verse 1, the Bible says, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. I want to suggest to you that David had no idea how all this was going to turn out, okay? I'm pretty confident that when David went to purchase this site, when David erected the altar, that the only thing David had on his mind was that God said, I need to do this, and so I'm going to do what God told me to do. And yet, there on the back side of this situation, after the offerings have been made, after the Lord has told the angel of the Lord to stop the plague, here in this place, David says, this is where the house of the Lord shall be built. The Lord took David's sin. And even through David's sin, God brought about something great in accordance with his purposes. The book of Romans says what? That all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Even in this, God brought good for Israel because what the Lord did was use David's sin to secure the purchase of the future place for his temple to be built. This is where Solomon is going to build the temple. It's right here in this place. I really don't believe that David showed up and when he began to offer these sacrifices, he expected this incredible experience to take place. Folks, when I tell you to expect something big to happen when you gather for worship, I mean you need to expect really big things, but to expect that God may work in a way that you don't anticipate. You with me? God might bring about something that is bigger than you would expect or just different than you would expect. It's possible that God's plan through the worship of Him in any particular day is to do something far greater than any one of us could anticipate or simply just different. What if there's that goal that you've had, that person you've been trying to minister to for years and years and years and God just says, this is the day that I break them. Parents, what if there's that child that you've been praying for for years and years and years and you had to do everything short of put them in a headlock and tie them into the vehicle to get them here and yet what God does is break them apart in the middle of a worship service and He saves them. What about that? When's the last time you expected God to do something big? You say, but Craig, isn't that presumptuous? Well, it all depends. It depends on whether or not we believe he's capable and whether or not we believe that he desires to do good things for his children. We spoke spoke to this last week, remember? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father? Folks, it's presumptuous and sinful if we go, I'm expecting God to give me a million dollars in worship today. But if I'm expecting God to change lives in worship today, if I'm expecting God to do something powerful in His church today, if I'm expecting God to to, to, to cause something great to happen that would impact our community with the gospel, is that presumptuous? Is that wrong? No! That's called praying in faith. Biblical worship carries with it the anticipation, the expectation that God is going to do something. 
I don't always know what that something is, but I expect God to do something. Last Sunday's a really good example. I didn't think I preached a very good sermon. A lot of you guys said that it was a good sermon. We sat in our staff meeting Monday morning. I said, yeah, it was all right. They said, I thought it was a good sermon. I was like, really? I thought it was pretty terrible. They said, I thought, well, no, it was, here's, it's actually pretty good for you, right? I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we, we tend to, to not tear one down, another down too much. So we, we talk about sermons with baseball analogies. You know, it's, you got a single, a double, a home, uh, triple, a home run kind of idea. And, and, and the goal, we, we recognize that whether you're a life group leader or a preacher, when you, you stand up before folks and you teach, we, we have to understand that not everything's going to be a home run, right? Sometimes just a single, but enough singles and you start getting across, across the plate. We, we do the things that we need to do. But I had some of you reach out to me this week and talk to me about the things you got out of that sermon that, man, I, I didn't expect anybody to, to like, that wasn't my goal, you understand? Sometimes when we preach, I have this, this goal, this aim, the idea, the big idea, the big question that I'm, uh, I'm targeting in a sermon, but sometimes what the Lord does is He takes the little appendages of the sermon that, that come together to make the whole, and God uses those and applies them specifically in your life. And it might just be one life or two lives, but it's, it's in those little things where even when I expect the Lord to do something, I've been praying specifically for this to be the goal that happens in a sermon. What the Lord sometimes does is does something completely different than what I anticipated. So it's not always that God works in accordance with our plans because why? His plans are not our plans. He's bigger than us. Well, what do we do when God does something we don't expect? Do we take our ball and go home? I wanted you to do it my way, God. No. Right? You think Solomon looked around and went, well, this wasn't the way I wanted to get the temple building site. David didn't say, well, God, I mean, what are we going to do with this? No, David said, wow, look, we got this. It worked out. Because God is working all things together for good. Folks, we need to get into the place where we anticipate God to work. One of the fun things about uh, the way that things are happening in our church right now, it, 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 a lot of you are, are with me, there, there's showing up with an anticipation we, we have lots of guests, it seems like, every single week. People show up anticipating somebody new, meeting somebody different, doing something new. It's a lot of fun. It's exciting. But do you expect that God to work through those events? I mean, seriously, do you expect the Lord to work? Not just people to show up, but God to show up. You, you want to see your worship improve. You want to know what biblical worship is? Folks, biblical worship is bathed in prayer and anticipation and expectation that God would work. Why? Because He's a missionary God. And He works on purpose to bring about good things for His church and for the world. When we go to Him, we anticipate that. So where do we end up this morning? What does that mean? What is worship that honors the Lord? First of all, it doesn't necessarily look a particular way. And that's super important for us to keep in mind, right? It doesn't necessarily look a particular... It doesn't necessarily have a particular kind of music or a particular style of sermon. It's not dressed a certain way. It doesn't speak a certain way. It doesn't happen in a particular kind of building. We've worshipped in our parking lot in the past 12 months. 
And in places all around the world, they're gathered on Sundays for what purpose? To gather outdoors and to hear the Word of God preached. Do you know that worship is not dependent upon particular kinds of instruments? We can do it with guitars and pianos and drums, but we're going to go to other places and they're going to do it with different kinds of instruments. I mentioned India this morning. You may go to India and find people worshiping with instruments that you didn't even know existed. It doesn't look a particular kind of way. And so when we think about trying to define biblical worship, worship that honors the Lord, we don't necessarily need to think about the look, but we need to recognize that it does a few things. First, it focuses on the Lord, not on our circumstances. We trust that worship transcends the week that we just had, the day that we just had, the feelings that we just had, that worship is bigger. Folks, this is why, for instance, you guys hear me say this, this is why we don't do politics in worship because worship has to transcend all of our circumstances. We trust that worship is over all of those things because the God that we worship is greater. And He's the focus. He's the goal. He's the purpose. So the first thing is that worship focuses on the Lord, not on our circumstances. The second thing, we should expect that worship is costly. Do you know what isn't costly? Entertainment. Right? You can go home and turn the TV on and it doesn't cost you a whole lot to sit there. I mean, if you paid your cable bill, okay, fine. You had to pay that. What's it really cost you? You, don't need, you? you can sit there in your pajamas if you want to. It doesn't cost you anything. You're in the privacy of your home. There's no worry about your reputation. There's no worry about anything, your time, nothing. It costs you nothing. Entertainment is not costly. Worship will cost you something consistently. And the third thing that worship does is it expects God to work. One of my favorite uh, stories of Jesus, not a pair, one of my favorite stories of Jesus is a man that comes to Jesus and he, he wants his son to be healed. And he says, Lord, if you can, will you heal him? And it's, it's one of the sharpest rebukes that we get, that we see Jesus offer. Jesus says, if I can. Jesus says, you've asked the wrong question. There's not an if you can, simply if you will. Lord, will you? And then the man prays the prayer that I, I have found to be one of my most treasured prayers in all of my Christian life. Lord, I believe, but help mine unbelief. Biblical worship, true worship, godly worship. Folks, I, I don't want you to walk out beat up. Thinking that if you walked in today and you didn't, you didn't firmly believe that if God wanted, he could pick this building up, spin it around and set it back down. Or if you didn't firmly believe that the Lord could actually save souls today. I don't want you to walk out here beat up. But I do want you to know that we've got to walk into worship with an expectation that God would work. 
And perhaps the prayer that we need to pray is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I, I do believe, God, that you could do a great thing in our community, but God, I, I know I don't believe the way I should believe. God, I, I kind of believe. Lord, I want to believe, but God, would you help me to believe in the way that I should believe? That looks a lot like a broken and contrite heart, which according to Psalm 51 is what the Lord desires of us. A posture before the Lord that looks more like this. God, I'm, I'm here, Lord. I, I don't know the way. I, Lord, I, I want to believe, but God, help me. Too often, we want to worship the Lord with our chest poked out. Telling God what He can and should do. But biblical worship is prostrated before the Lord. God, I know you can. Will you? And Father God, will you help me to believe even better than I know how? This morning, do you know how to worship the Lord? That would be the first question. But the second and maybe most important question is this. Are you willing to worship the Lord in the way that the Lord expects? There's really no magic here. There's, there's, there's no special formulas. What is there? Obedience and humility. And if we will humble ourselves before Him and obey Him as best we can, we will discover that the worship that we offer will be pleasing and satisfying before the Lord. If you're here this morning, you might just say, Lord God, I... I have just shown up and worshipped Lord God or let me back up some of you might just say Lord I've attended but I haven't worshipped in a very long time God I need to worship you today help me to believe everything you said Lord God help me like David to not offer you worship that doesn't cost me something and Lord God help me to honor you Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never worshipped the Lord because you just don't know the Lord. Like if you're just honest, you say, you know what, I know that I've never worshipped Him because I don't have a relationship with Him. And Craig, everything you said sounds awesome. But I actually showed up here this morning because I just feel lost and I need somebody to show me the way. Jesus is the way. The truth, the life. He is everything you need. This morning, when we stand in just a moment and we sing, I would love the opportunity to walk you through that story of just how much God loves you and how it is that Jesus died to save you from your sins. Help you to understand this God that deserves your worship. This morning, some of you may just want to come up here and pray. You may want to pray right there at your seat. You may want to come up here and pray around this platform. Some of you may just want to raise your hands.
Say, Lord God, here I offer my sacrifice of praise before you. However it is that the Lord's at work in your life, let me encourage you. Trust Him enough to obey Him. You will not regret it. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that our worship would be pleasing to you. Lord God, help us to remember the God of our circumstances, to worship that God, regardless of what's going on in the world around us. Help us, Lord God, to be willing to worship you even when it's costly. And Lord God, even right now as we sing to you, Help us to anticipate that you can do great things. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.